Peace of Christ to you all. It's been quite a week. Quite a few things have occurred or that we've remembered in the last seven days, huh? Since we last met. I mean, most of us were receiving notes on our phone, uh, notifications from different news organizations, even while we were here just last Sunday about the, uh, the massacre in Orlando, right? And then, then a few days later, a search for a child um, because of an alligator attack. This week also was the anniversary of the massacre um, or the, the mass murder in, uh, at the AME Church in Charleston. It gathered at a Bible study just uh, a year ago on Friday. And also, just a year ago yesterday, I believe it was, the, the murder of Sonny Kim, the um, Cincinnati police officer. You know, so all of those things, just remembering that from a year in addition to all that was going on just in this week, makes you stop and wonder, doesn't it? You know, God, what are you doing? What, what's happening here? What, what's, what is this about? You, you, you focus on those things and you see those things that are hard. You, you, you can't deny them. They're real and in front of you and it causes doubts. Certainly questions, certainly wonders. Well, our passage today is in Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 18. And um, this, this, it's amazing when we look at this. I mean, I think that this has direct implications for these kind of situations, these times and seasons in our lives. Um, and it's amazing to think that things were written Thousands of years ago, I think, have such a direct implication for how we respond as followers of Jesus in these times. And even just as amazing that we we set this passage in this day months ago. this, This was all part of the providence of God. The coincidences that occur when we pray. That this passage for just this time. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word that speaks to us in all situations of life. And help us to hear from you today. Help us to to set aside our own agendas to truly a place of holy indifference to hear your plan, your will your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, so John the Baptist was the, the person that, that God had chosen. He was the prophet. He was the one that was going to be the messenger for Jesus. He, he was the, the ad man, in a sense. You know, the marketing plan for Jesus. Where, that he's going to come on the scene to tell everybody, Hey, wake up. Here comes one who brings good news. The very one from heaven. It's going to come. The, the, the time, the, the Lord's going to visit. So be ready. Well, and, and John did his work. 
He did his work perfectly. He prepared the way for Jesus. And, and we've, we've, we've been walking with Jesus through Luke, and we've seen Jesus' mission, you know, that he's come. He is the one who's been anointed by the Lord to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, freedom to those that are oppressed, sight to the blind, to announce and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he's been doing it. All, all along, as you, you read the passages before, you see him healing folks, giving sight to the blind, proclaiming the good news to the poor, raising folks from the dead. And so you hear that and you're like, man, that sounds good. I mean, that, that's, that's what we want. But John, the very prophet of God, is in prison at this time. And, and he's about to get beheaded. He's about to be executed. And so he's, he's wondering what's going on. So we pick up there in verse 18 of chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. All the things that Jesus was doing. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? So here was John the Baptist, the the one chosen by God at just the right time, and who had been proclaiming the truth who'd been heralding Jesus' appearance, saying, here he is, this is the one, he is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. He'd been preaching that everywhere he went. He'd been putting himself in harm's way, and crowds were gathering with him to be baptized by John to prepare for this day when Jesus would come on the scene. So he he had done it, he had done it right. And yet now he finds himself in prison. He's wondering, okay, wait a minute. This is not what I envisioned. This isn't in the text. This is my guess of what he's saying. I did not plan on this. So bring, and so he's doubting. He's wondering what's going on. So he brings two of his disciples and says, go ask Jesus. Are, are you really the one or was I just ahead of my time? You know, what, what's going on here? There's a couple things to recognize. One is that we are in the time when God's kingdom is in our midst at the same time that the kingdom of evil is in our midst. We are in this in-between time. The kingdom, uh, folks say, the already but not yet. It started. Jesus is in our midst. But it's also characterized by evil. And John is in prison and about to be beheaded. What, what, we, what we learn from that is that when it, when it comes to the big picture of God's plan of bringing about His redemption of the world, we're not smart enough to understand or grasp the whole plan. We just aren't smart enough. God's a little smarter than us and has the capacity to know all in one swoop. And in addition... Even if we could know it all, we're a little 
subjective in our opinion of what needs to happen. Our self-interest, my self-interest, it's going to sneak in some way or another. And so is yours. Somehow, I'm going to see the plan and make it work a little bit more towards my advantage. At least for sure to keep me out of prison and keep my head on my body. But that is not what happened to John, the greatest prophet that the world had ever seen. And yet he was in exactly the middle of God's will in the time of Jesus. I mean, John had a point. He's like, Jesus, didn't you just say you came to release the captives from prison? Hey, where am I? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So there's this mystery here. There's this inability on our part to know and understand the whole plan of God. We're just not going to know it. So it's a call to faith and trust, to live in this in-between time. And, and notice, in this, in the midst of John, and, and the other, other thing with John here is that John, he thought Jesus was going to come and bring judgment. He, he's going to clean this up. I mean, the Roman government was atrocious. They weren't a ni- a, a, just a bunch of nice guys, you know. They would behead you and ask questions of you later. I mean, they, they were atrocious, and they, they were unjust in every way. And John, he, he hated the Romans because they, not only did they oppress his people, but they had, had brought um, about the decline of the purity of the Jews, of his people. I mean, John, he, he was the one who followed the law perfectly, and then he wanted it to be done perfectly. And what was happening was the leaders of the temple, that they were sort of listening to Rome and trying to assuage them, you know, take, take do some of what they wanted to do. So they were watering things down. And John saw that Jesus was going to come and he was going to bring purity back to the temple. And by doing that, he was going to wipe out the Romans. But here's the problem. Jesus didn't come to destroy and bring judgment to the Romans. Jesus came to these atrocious sinners In order to save them also. He came to save the Romans, not to destroy them. And John, like many other zealots like him, were wanting Jesus to come and wipe them out. But there's still, even in the midst of this faith, in the midst of these um, uh, totally unmet expectations that John had and these wrong uh, ideas, there's still within him that core faith that Jesus is the one. And, And so, notice what John does in the midst of that confusion. He sends his disciples to say, Jesus, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? If, if nothing more, in the middle of confusion, when we're behind bars or like it, or we're the ones who are doing the right things, but evil is surrounding us, the, the, we're always right to say, Jesus, what's going on? Talk to us. So then, This is what Jesus then says, uh, verse 21. Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, 
Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Interesting, even that last phrase, you know, blesses anyone who takes no offense at me. I think he's telling John, you're exactly where you need to be. This is exactly what the plan is. I know that it's hard. I know I'm going to get there too. I mean, the plan is for Jesus to die on the cross. The plan includes John being imprisoned and not being released, at least not in this life. But follow the way of Jesus and notice all the works that He is doing around you. You don't deny the evil. You don't deny that it's there. But look for the ways that Jesus is alive. The way that He's bringing healing amidst His people. Look look for that and go to that and celebrate that and live into that. So what he's telling John, even from prison, see how the kingdom is breaking in, even in the midst of chaos and murderous hate. You know, last Saturday, uh, a group of us, about 30 of us, um, went down to the National um, Underground Railroad uh, Center, the Freedom Center. And it was just one, we, we had a, um, a guide who, who um, he wasn't really... Um, positive about Christians. And he, and he let, let us know that in a, a gentle, kind, straightforward way. Um, and, uh, but, so I, I tell you that just to say, so he wasn't just sort of giving us false praise, but we were into the, the tour and he stopped for a moment. And he said, you know, I want to tell you something. You're unlike any group that I usually have here. Because usually the groups that we have here are of one type, he said. And they said, but you guys are black and white, old and young, in the same group. That's beautiful. Good work. There's signs, even in the midst of Charleston, that God's at work bringing about justice and racial reconciliation. We may be at the beginning steps of that journey, but we're taking that step. And even this guy down at the Underground Railroad Museum took note. God's kingdom breaks through. Today's Father's Day, a great day uh, to celebrate. And it's also a day, as our Mother's Day and Father's Day, you know there's a bittersweet to that because some of us can celebrate and enjoy that. Others of it is just a reminder of the Father we didn't have or the Father who abandoned us. That's why Jesus regularly calls the church to take care of the orphans, to take care of the fatherless. Man, if you don't see the kingdom breaking through in here and the number of families that are doing that, that are adopting children, fostering children, being safe families for children and families that are in crisis. I mean, just on Friday, we hosted a gathering here for children who aged out of the foster system. In in Ohio, you age out at 18. Actually, the law just changed this week. But you you age out at 18, and then you're, you're out there. Yeah, and you folks here you know, are connecting, trying to help and be a part of those different ministries. 
That's the way that the kingdom breaks through. And we celebrate and see, oh yeah, look, no, Jesus is still at work. He's doing things in our midst. Even when we're bombarded with the bad news. I asked Chris uh, Rediger to come and, and share with us one uh, story from her. She works in the healing um, uh, ministry, inner healing ministry, over in what we used to call the White House, but it got repainted, so now we call it the care center that's uh, over here. So, um, but just place the things that are happening there all the time of people that are seeking inner healing and they're meeting with Jesus together to, to receive that healing for His kingdom to break through in, in their lives. So Chris shared with a couple stories. She can't give us the details because you know, this is confidential. The folks that she's talking about, they've asked to share just the generalities of the, the stories, but they're fresh, they're real. I mean, they're happening now. So thanks, Chris. Good morning. I've been a Christian about 36 years, and my own testimony is inner healing. I was relinquished at birth, and my story is an adoption story too. So like Drew was talking about... I do pray on healing prayer teams, usually with Maggie Beckford. Jesus is certainly still in the healing business. Being on a healing prayer team is a little bit what I imagine that it might like to be a surgical assistant. You get to wear a snazzy outfit, scrub up like the doctor, watch everything from the front row, but you know you haven't really done one thing that causes healing. You just get to watch. I imagine it's more convenient for a surgeon to have an assistant, and that's sort of like what we do with healing prayer. A young person came for prayer and described a discomfort in their current life. They felt a lack of trust for those closest to them, and that lack of trust seemed to have no basis in fact. The person they didn't trust or was struggling to trust had not exhibited any kind of trust-busting behavior. And the suspicious mistrust was beginning to harm what seemed like a precious relationship. Even though that person had prayed repeatedly for healing and for forgiveness and about these circumstances, there just was a block to receiving that freedom. When they came for prayer, it soon became evident that some unwise decisions, young decisions, had opened the door to harm's way in their own life. This dear person was suffering consequences for some horrible abuse suffered at a formative time of life. We listened, prayed, and brought Jesus into those early circumstances. And truthfully, it didn't seem like much happened. But God. Isn't that the best phrase in the Bible? But God. But God met this person, and in very short order, the stickiness of the past was no longer infecting the present. Closest family and friends asked what was different, and this person is now moving forward in a new wholeness and freedom. Lots of times after Jesus does a healing work, we pray that he'll show a current heart situation. Frequently, the Lord will show a beautiful meadow or a woods or a beach, somebody safe 
and lovely spot. One time we prayed that, and the Lord revealed a black, sticky, oily mess. Not what we were expecting. And within that awful mess was Jesus in a hazmat snorkel suit. (laughs) And in the middle of that mess, he had the happiest smile on his face, like there was no other place he'd rather be. We called him Macho Hazmat Jesus. The Lord used that picture to help that person face a deeper dive into healing that they, than they even knew that they needed. It was that picture of Jesus beaming at them in the middle of that mess that gave the courage to walk through what was a very difficult healing journey. Finally, one person had been harboring unforgiveness toward a parent for a very rocky childhood. It wasn't until middle age that this person could really forgive that parent. When they did, the Lord gave a picture of himself coming for this big garbage bag that was now tied and contained all of that hurt that the person had lugged around for decades. Jesus picked up the bag, slung it over his shoulder, and began to walk away with it. He looked over his shoulder and, in a very friendly way, said to the person, Next time, don't wait so long. Thanks, Chris. Just other ways that we see and hear the power of God at work. The, the, the work of Jesus to bring good news, to bring healing in our midst. So when we, like John the Baptist, find ourselves surrounded by that uh, evil, and that, that chaos that we're in the middle of, Jesus points out, look at where the kingdom is breaking through and know that I am at work. Now, just because Jesus is at work does not mean that the world and even that we will see it so clearly. And what, if we read on in the passage, um, what Jesus then tells, he turns from John the Baptist and the folks that came to him and he turns to the crowd. And he tells them, you know, you guys do not understand me. You don't know who John the Baptist was, and you don't know who I am. You're, you're still more focused on your plan instead of truly seeing what God is doing in the midst of us. Uh, turn to verse 31. To what then will I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, Wisdom is vindicated by all her children. 
Just to say that in the midst of this world where it is the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God intermixed at the same time, it's not the, the easiest thing to see what God is doing. The people around Jesus, they, because they were stuck in what they wanted, they couldn't see what John was there doing and what Jesus was there doing. So, so John the Baptist, they saw him. Now John the Baptist, he came as a hard man. You know, he was like Coach Short. Coach Short is like the typical assistant principal in my high school, right? You know, buzz cut, you know, chiseled chin, you know, broad shoulders, and you went to him for discipline, right? That, did you have that assistant? Did you have Coach Short as your assistant principal too? I, that's what we did. That's Coach Short. Well, he's too hard. Who is he? Well, and then they looked at Jesus and they, the, the crowd said, look, he's a lush. He's eating and drinking and he hangs around with the wrong crowd. And it's like the, we as people are like, you know, Goldilocks, right? You know, this bed's too hard. This bed's too soft. I want the one that fits me just right. And what Jesus is, is telling us in the midst of these kinds of times, in the midst of the times that, that are chaos and characterized by evil, what he says is, see what I am doing, discern what I am doing, and jump in. But know that you're probably going to be misunderstood. That these are not easy times. They're not easy answers to some of these difficult questions that you're asking these days. Because, look, Jesus is God in the flesh, in their midst. And the religious leaders of the day are saying, look, he's a drunkard, he's a glutton, and he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. Huh? We were in staff meeting on, on Tuesday just talking about the events of this week, and particularly in Orlando. And it, and it was Dennis who brought this up to say, you know, I wish that the, the church would be so misunderstood just like Jesus. That we would be friends of sinners that others would see and not understand in these crazy times. That, that, that they would say, what are they? They're loose they're, they're lushes and they hang out with the wrong crowd. Yeah, I think for us, an application of this particular passage in the midst of these times, of this intersection, this, this swirl that occurs in this in-between time that we live in, and our pursuit of living after Jesus is that we would be like Him in the way that His kingdom breaks in. So, you've got friends that are Muslim, be their friends. Be their friends right right now. Don't don't be like the misguided brother who on this this week um, went to a, um, a Muslim. It's Ramadan, so they're in Islam, and so they have worship services every day. And so this person walked into the the mosque up in. Um, up in uh, Westchester, and, and walked in during one of their services and, and said, you know, excuse me, may I have your attention? Jesus is Lord. And they interviewed one of the guys that was praying during that time, and he was absolutely horrified because he'd been living in fear, just waiting for the backlash of what people, what Muslims do around the world or what the guy did in the name of Islam down in Orlando. And he was just waiting. When the guy said, may I have your attention, please? He just braced for the gunfire to start. 
And that's the fear that he lives in. Now, I disagree with his theology. But the Jesus of my theology says it is my, call, my responsibility, our responsibility, to be a friend of sinners in the midst of craziness and fear and murderous hate. And the good news, if you read, the, I think the articles in the paper yesterday, um, tells the whole story. There are actually two guys from uh, Bethlehem Baptist, I think, who now sit out at that mosque wearing a yellow t-shirt saying, I love Muslims, and just wave to them and say hello and greet them and seeking to be their friend. The same is true for folks who are gay and lesbian. Now, we as, as a church have affirmed that we understand God's plan for sexuality to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in marriage. Not before marriage, not outside of marriage, and that marriage is between a man and a woman. But if I'm going to be a friend to sinners, then it means I need to go to my friends who are gay and lesbian. And, and walk arm in arm with them and stand up with them and say uh, against such murderous hate. That they would walk around in such fear. And so I, I did connect with a colleague of mine at Mount Auburn Presbyterian Church, Barb Tessero, who's the pastor there. And that, that church has different, a totally different understanding of sexuality than we do. And she shared with me how when the church got together that week that they were horrified and scared and a girl came running into her office just crying, saying, you know, I just don't want to be gay anymore. So I wrote Barb back and just and talked with her and just said, you know, I, pass on to your church. I stand with you against murder and hate and violence. I affirm your humanity in every way. Even though we might disagree about this. So for, for you, you know, be in touch with your, your friends who are gay and lesbian. Or if that, if that is who you are now, we stand with you against murderous hate and violence against any human. Now, that, that's not an easy situation. That gets messy in a hurry, doesn't it? But that's the way of Jesus. May we be misunderstood and misconstrued just like Jesus and be seen as one, as a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of sinners because we follow into His kingdom in the midst of a world that doesn't. You're going to get it either way. You'll get it from the right. You'll get it from the left. Doesn't matter. I, I can give a testimony to that. Doesn't matter. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus in His radical, scandalous grace. For the folks at the top, folks at the bottom, folks to the right, folks to the left. He didn't care. He wanted to be and was their Savior and Lord. So we then, in the midst of such chaos and evil, follow after him. So you, you find yourself in John's place, you're imprisoned, wondering what in the world is going on around. He, like I said, this is a great correction to the health and wealth gospel. This is a great correction to name it and claim it. 
Because there's no Jesus says there's no one greater than John. And yet he's in prison. And he stays there. Of course, the, the best corrective is Jesus himself. Who sacrificed and died for our sins. So we live in this confusing time in the midst of the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And we look for the ways the kingdom is breaking in and we jump on board. And we follow after Jesus even in the midst of the mess, even in the midst of the evil, even in the midst of the hatred, so that we might be representatives of his kingdom of grace, mercy, love, and righteousness and goodness. Amen.